um, a year and a half ago to St. Richard's Ham, I was the vicar of St. Paul's Kingston Hill, just by um, Richmond Park, Kingston Gate, and so saw this church uh, planted and then grow up, and uh, I've been friends with, with Jerry over that time, and um, so he'd invited me to come and share a testimony of, of sort of five minutes, and then he was going to preach, and um, yesterday morning, Camilla sent me uh, a text saying, actually, Jerry's not going to be well enough to preach. Do you think you could step in? But you see, God is a God of the future as well as the past and the present. And so it so happened that, coincidentally, Jerry and I had talked on the phone about what passage he was going to preach on, what line he was going to speak about. And more remarkably, that very day or the day before, I had read the passage in my daily devotional time with a commentary. And so I was saying, oh, Jerry, it's amazing that you've chosen that passage because it's brilliant. Let me share what I read. And I read it to him down the phone. And I could hear him typing and writing it out. <laughs> so I knew he was going to use it. So, you know, God knew and God had it all in control. So that's brilliant. That day did not change my life. Um, it changed things very slightly. But some days um, change everything in our lives. And if I think back over my lifetime, think, for example, of 9-11. I, I was typing this last night on my computer, and I realized, actually, we would say 11-9, but they're Americans, so they say 9-11. Um, but do you remember where you were that day when you were watching this happen? Oh, no, an aircraft has hit the, one of the Twin Towers. You think, that's terrible. What an accident. But then it unfolded, and it got worse. And it was just... Uh, an incredible day, uh, an awful day. That was a bad day that changes everything. A much better day, a wonderful day that changed everything was the day that the Berlin Wall came down. And again, I remember hearing that news thinking, that's unbelievable. Uh, it was just over 30 years ago. On um, Actually, the night that they let people through was 9-11. You can make of that what you like. Um, but John Simpson made a program just the other day on BBC as their correspondent in East Germany at the time. He was reporting on what was going on, on the huge crowds that were demonstrating. But he was saying in this program, it caught everybody out. It caught the leaders of East Germany out. It caught him out because he wasn't in the right place at the right time. It's like, how has this happened? And he, he got quite emotional. He got choked up as he talked about it as one of the greatest days of his life. As this barrier came down that had divided Europe and suddenly people were reunited with hope and with love and with freedom. It was an amazing day that changed the world. And for you and me as Christians, the most amazing days that changed the world, even more than that, were in the life of Jesus. We've just celebrated Christmas, which changed History from B.C. into A.D. The day Jesus was born changed everything. The day Jesus died on the cross changed everything. And, and if you want to explore that some more, do Alpha, as you've heard about the party. Because we'll unwrap in Alpha what the cross is all about. The day Jesus rose from the dead changed everything. It means that you and I can be sure and certain and assured of the fact we are going to spend eternity with God. And that however bleak a situation is, however grim a situation is, God has the power to overturn it and change it round. The day that the Holy Spirit was poured out from the Father on the church, the day of Pentecost, is a day that changes everything. Because it means that God lives in and with you and me day by day, which is just awesome.
So there are days that change everything. And the reading that Jerry chose for this morning is, um, he was very proud of the fact, he said to me, do you know what, Simon? It's actually from the set readings of the Church of England. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And it's from Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. It'll be up on the screen, but I'll read it to you. And it's a day that changed the lives of four people forever. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. That morning, James and John, Simon uh, and his brother Andrew got up, had breakfast presumably, thought about the day's fishing, but had no idea that this day was going to change the world, turn everything upside down, lead to the most incredible, amazing adventure as they start to follow Jesus. And following him changed their lives. Now, Mark doesn't tell us, but if you read John's gospel, you'll read that they probably knew a bit about him already because they've been following John the Baptist uh, and John had baptized Jesus. And, and they were like, well, this is interesting. Who's this new guy? Let's, let's find out more about him. So this didn't, didn't come completely out of the blue when Jesus said, leave your nets, leave your fishing and follow me. But it was still life-changing. It was a huge step into the unknown. It was a leap out of their comfort zone to follow this guy at the start of his ministry. And what they would see would be incredible. They'd see Jesus heal the sick. This is Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. If you just read on in Mark's gospel, I mean, their eyes were on stalks by the end of the chapter as they saw what Jesus did as he healed the sick and cast out demons. He would go on, he would raise the dead. And one day, up on a mountain, three of the four of them would see Jesus transfigured in front of their eyes by the glory and the power of God. And like, wow! All because of this day, when they had no idea what was going to happen, Jesus said, come and follow me. But it wasn't always fun. It wasn't always easy. There was the day when they went in a boat with Jesus and they crossed to Gentile territory. It was not a nice place for a good Jewish boy. Who knows what's going to happen there? And their worst fears were realized as they stepped out of the boat and towards them came a naked, chained man screaming at the top of his voice. At which point they thought, do you know, mum was right when she said, don't go to Gentile territory. Can we get back in the boat, Jesus, and and cross back to the other side? And they saw Jesus cast the demons out of that man and saw him clothed and in his right mind. Wow. And then came the awful, terrible, unforgettable day when they saw Jesus, this amazing man of God, this, this Messiah, this son of God, die on a cross. What's this all about? So life could be challenging, life was difficult, life was confusing, but life was never boring. Because of the decision that made, life would never be the same again, and it would be incredible. Well, um, 
as uh, Anna said at the start of the service, uh, a year and a half ago in July 2018, I came here to talk about a day that changed my life. Uh, Not in quite such a dramatic and unforgettable way, but in a very significant way. Um, Until 2016, I was the vicar of St. Paul's Kingston Hill. I was a happy vicar in a happy church, uh, a large thriving church, um, a church with lots of families and um, lively worship and and lots going for it. And I (coughs) um, was thinking about, is this time, I've been there 12 years, and I was thinking, is this time to move on? And I felt God say, no, I want you in parish ministry, don't go. And so I said to the PCC, I said, I wrote them a report, and I said, I'm here for the next little while. So it was kind of embarrassing when uh, something happened a few days later. It must have, I don't remember it being quite days, but it must have been because of the timescales. And that was, I was praying in my morning quiet time, my devotional time with God, for a church called St. Richard's Ham, which is just down the road. It's between Richmond and Kingston, but it's in a bend in the river where you have to make a detour to go there. So lots of people have never been there. And I had heard that they were in a real mess. I was asked to take a school assembly there because their vicar was suspended over a safeguarding allegation. And as you know, in the Church of England, that is really, well, in any church, that is really not a good thing. So I took the assembly and the head teacher told me what a really tough and terrible time they were going through. And I felt really sorry for it. So I was praying for them because I'm a nice Christian vicar, you know, so pray for people that you hear are going through a tough time. And God spoke these words into my head. I mean, the word, the thought popped into my head have you ever thought you could be the solution to this problem? And I said, no. (laughs) Really, no. I mean, no. I've just told the PCC, I'm here. I'm happy. And this is a mess. And besides, there's a vicar there. But actually, over the next few days and weeks, God made it clear that this is what he wanted. Now, the tragedy was that not only... um, was the church in a mess because the vicar was suspended but the church and the school were also split one from another which if you look at the screen that's the school on the left that's the church on the right and they are joined together by a corridor they couldn't be closer Um, but things were so bad that the church members were banned from going to the school and school members were banned from going to the church it was grim And so there was division within the congregation, and there was division between the church and other churches round about, and there was division between the church and the community. But what do you do when God calls you? Well, I felt that this was God. Why else would I have that weird thought? And so uh, a month later, I was talking to friends about this possibility, and a year later, I was being interviewed for the post, And um, 18 months later, I was licensed as priest in charge of um, St. Richard's Ham. And uh, as you can see, the bishop was absolutely delighted. (laughs) No, he was happy. He's just, he has a a resting, miserable face, which is unfortunate. (laughs) Oh, this is being recorded, isn't it? Okay. Um, Bang goes my career prospects, but they've gone already. But... God gave me a vision then of the fact that his heart was grieved by the divisions in the church and by the reputation of the church in society. It's not what God wants. And God put on my heart these verses from Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
And so I went in with a passion to bring healing and reconciliation because God's heart is to bind up the brokenhearted. And so that was the first priority above all things. But then also to say, do you know what? God is good and God is for you and God is with you. So I want to announce the year of the Lord's favor to say that, that God wants to bless this church and bless this parish. But then also God wants this church to look outwards and wants the healing and the hurt is, is, um, sorry, wants the hurt and the pain is healed to, to reach out to the community because Sir Richard's ham, unlike the rest of ham and unlike much of Richmond, is actually a very poor and needy community. Um, it's got the highest levels of deprivation of anywhere in um, Richmond Borough or Zach Goldsmith's constituency. Uh, it's got the second highest levels of deprivation in that part of southwest London, which is the Archdeaconry of Wandsworth. And there is multi-generational um, working class poverty, which it's very hard to break. Um, and the local school that we now work with very closely has uh, 40% of the children are in receipt of free school meals. Um, which for Richmond is a ridiculously high level. And so God said, I want you to preach good news to the poor. Uh, and that was the vision that we went with. And a small team from uh, St. Paul's came with us to share that vision. And uh, a year later, after that um, licensing, I gave the congregation, so there are about 30 of them left. Um, we bumped up the numbers a bit. And they're mostly... Um, over 70 and at least a third are over 80 in age and with a few over 90 as well and so they were feeling battered and exhausted and we went in to give fresh hope and vision as well as this healing and hope and so last July um, I gave people a piece of paper and it said over the past year I've seen at St. Richard's dot 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 I said Fill in what you've seen. You can make it practical. You can make it spiritual. You can, whatever you like. And it can be anonymous. So you can be honest. And these are some of the things that the members of St. Richard's wrote on those forms. St. Richard's has come alive again with new life, renewed energy and hope. Fun and laughter. There's a more open, lighter spirit within the congregation. A breakdown in animosities. No factions. Which is amazing. A wonderful transformation of the relationship between the church and school and an encouraging commitment to look outwards to the local community. Now that is wonderful and amazing and miraculous. And you think, wow, God's been at work. Um, now, then um, one of the things that I went saying I was going to do was the Alpha course. I didn't know that some years previously, a member of the the church, I think of the PCC actually, had said, let's do the Alpha course. And the reaction from the church was, no way are we doing that course. We don't like those happy, clappy Christians who do that Alpha course. And one lady actually said to me, she said, I said, over my dead body will we do that course. And last September, we ran the Alpha course for the church, with me blissfully ignorant of these um, undercurrents. And... Uh, <coughs> They, we talked in the PCC about who, what was a good time to run it. And no one could agree on a good time because they said, well, you might get half a dozen people. And I thought, no, I want a bit more than that. So we ran it on a Sunday. We had the morning service. We had coffee. And then we had Alpha. And the best day, there were 40 people in church. 40 for us is a big congregation. 
and 30 people stayed to do Alpha. On the not-so-good days, we had 30 in church and 20 stayed to do Alpha. So that's pretty encouraging. And I was talking to this lady who said to me, I said, over my dead body, I said, why did you say that? She said, I don't know, really. I said, and what do you think of it? And she said, I really liked it. And I gave them an alpha feedback form at the end, and um, all the forms that came back, I mean, I ignored the ones of people who'd come with me for support, so I knew they were positive. But the people from St. Richard's who filled in the form all said, that was good, I enjoyed it, it helped me, yes, I would do it again. So that's brilliant. Now, I've told you all the wonderful good things that God is doing, and God is at work. But it's still tough. It's still challenging. The church is very traditional. It loves communion every Sunday, but it's called Eucharist. And I still wear a frock. And um, we still have hymns and no songs. And we tried a screen a couple of times. And they said, hmm, all right this Sunday, but not every week, thank you. So there's a long way to go. But God is at work. And Jerry encouraged, invited, uh, let me come this morning to share with you that story because there's a, a next step to do. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, I'm going to stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. And that is our situation as well. A great door of opportunity has opened to us. So two local charities have said, can we partner with you in Ham? We know the possibilities and the problems that you have. The first one is one I know Jerry has been talking to as well about your church school, and that's Insight. Insight have worked in Kingston for, I think it's 25 years now, working with local churches in community schools and church schools to do collective worship, to do Bible clubs, and to do RE lessons. And I worked with them when I was at St. Paul's Kingston. Um, Now we're talking about the possibility of starting up a Bible club in St. Richard's School. The problem is getting the helpers to run that Bible club. Because my over 80s aren't going to be able to do that. And those few who went with us from St. Paul's are busy running all sorts of other things. So there's a door for opportunity, but thinking, how can we do this? Riverbank Trust, which is based at Holy Trinity Richmond said, we've got a load of families who've moved from Richmond into Ham, and they are the neediest, most vulnerable members of society. A lot of them are single-parent families. We want to keep on supporting them and helping them, but we can't because we're in Richmond and they're in Ham. We'd like to employ a worker to work with your church to reach these families. We said, that would be fantastic. They've got funding for it, but we need the worker, and we need people to support that work and welcome those families. So it's exciting, but it's frustrating because we've got this opportunity, but we don't know how to do it. And there's more. We have two toddler groups that meet in the church, run by uh, another church, Kingsgate Church, who uh, meet and worship in the church school. They're having to close one of their groups because they haven't got enough helpers on a Friday. And that's a tragedy because it's reaching out to the families, particularly the poorer families in our community. And we're starting, we've moved our home group that meets on a Thursday evening 
we're starting that as a service in the church so that people walking by see that there's worship going on. Um, we have some uh, teaching and fellowship and, and study together and prayer for one another. And uh, we're struggling with the fact that we haven't got a worship leader who could lead that. I do at the moment. That's really not great. Um, and so uh, I was talking to James before the service. I've been talking to Jerry. Your church kindly said, we want to help you with that. We want to support you by bringing in people who can help lead your worship to make that an excellent contemporary service of the kind that people don't want on a Sunday. So we're moving forward, but, (coughs) excuse me, um, my question to you this morning is just as God called uh, Andrew and Simon and James and John and said, I've got a new adventure for you. Leave the nets, come follow me. With Jerry's complete approval, I'm saying, <laughs> is God calling you to say, well, here's a new adventure? Particularly if there are some who live in Ham or near Ham and trek to this church on a Sunday. Is God saying, step out of the boat, leave your nets, come and do this new thing? Because you know what? The trouble with us Christians is, we do something exciting. We, we step out, we're bold, and then we think, do you know what? Oh, I've been so brave. Let me just sit back now and enjoy my comfort. So um, if we can go on to the, the, the Friends slide. Yeah, we'll skip on from that. Thank you. This is a, a scene from Friends, which fans of the series will know, is Joey and Chandler discovering the delights of a lazy boy armchair. And they go, oh, this is wonderful. John Ortberg, brilliant writer and Christian speaker, says this, The decision to grow always involves a choice between risk and comfort. This means that to be a follower of Jesus, you must renounce comfort as the ultimate value of your life. And that's sobering news to most of us, because we're into comfort. I I am challenged by that. Because I know that I do something for God, and then I think, Oh, okay, God, I've been amazing. I've been wonderful. Now can I just sit back and, and settle here? And he goes, no, no, you can't. There's a new challenge. There's a a, a new opportunity coming up. And it may be this morning that God is not calling you to St. Richard's Ham. I'm sure he isn't calling all of you. Um, But maybe there's an opportunity, a, a gap here in this church that God is saying, have you thought of stepping out into that? I haven't talked to Jerry about this, uh, nor to Philippa, but I I know that in your church there are rotors with gaps on. I just know there are, because in every church there are. I know there are ministries that need volunteers to step up and say, yeah, I'll help with that. I know there are jobs that need doing. And we all have that wonderful message, uh, that wonderful response, which is, yes, Lord, someone needs to do that. Will you call them? Or as someone said of uh, what Isaiah would have said if he'd lived in in our society today, Lord, here I am, send her. (laughs) So is God saying to you this morning, it's time to get out of the lazy boy and actually step up and step into something new? And it might not be in church. It might be in your workplace or in the playground or in your street that God is saying, you know that person you know, who's really struggling with anxiety and depression, why not invite them to this course? Why not say, I'll come with you and do this so I understand better what you're facing? Or, of course, why not say, come to the Alpha Party? I'll come to the Alpha Party with you. Um, 
and see if they would try Alpha. Or maybe it's just that you know someone who's struggling and to say, can we go for a coffee together? Can I, can I have a chat with you? How, how can I support you? Or if you feel it's appropriate and God is nudging you to say, can I, can I pray for you? Because you know they're not a Christian, but that's okay. So there's all sorts of ways that God nudges us and pushes us. And maybe today he'll put a, a face in your mind to think, yeah, what about stepping out of the boat, stepping out of your comfort zone? And most of us, most of the time, I mean, I know there are exceptions, but most of us think, what, me? What, but they might, oh, I don't know. We feel inadequate. Well, that's how those four disciples felt. And the passage that I read to Jerry over the phone and that he noted down was this. It's from a man called Dick France writing his commentary on Mark's gospel. The kingdom of God comes not with fanfare, but through the gradual gathering of a group of socially insignificant people in an unnoticed corner of provincial Galilee. They may and often will fail him and disappoint him. But their role is crucial to the achievement of his mission. For it's through this flawed and vulnerable group of people that God's kingship will be established. Those four guys got up that morning with no idea what was going to happen. They were fishermen. They were going to go fishing. They were going to look after their nets. And through them, God changed the world. That's not an exaggeration. Through them, God changed the world. God has changed the world. God is changing the world. And God will change the world. The question for you and me is, will we get up out of our lazy boy and say, yes, Lord, I want to be involved in that too. Let's pray.